Hey, Andy Fortuna here, and I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to Connect and Move Radio. If you are a licensed practitioner, such as a massage therapist, athletic trainer, acupuncturist, physical therapist, etc., who wants to use manual therapy and therapeutic exercise in their practice and become the go-to practitioner for health and performance, then I highly recommend looking into the holistic movement-based practitioner course I have created. This is a three-day live course with three-month remote mentorship to help you apply all the elements of the course into your own practice. If you are the practitioner who believes in treating the person as a whole, enjoys spending one-on-one time providing hands-on care, and loves helping people improve their confidence, their movement, and their inner self, then this course is for you. We go into detail about practical assessment and manual therapy skills, movement programming, and energy meditation work. You can find more information in the description at the bottom of this podcast or on my Instagram page at AF underscore move. That's AF underscore M-O-B-E. You can also reach me at my email, andy at myorenew.com. That's A-N-D-Y at M-Y-O-R-E-N-E-W.com. If you're interested in being part of an in-depth and immersive education experience, then take the time right now to send me an email because this course is only open to six students and has an active waitlist, so don't wait to take and make the decision. There's an application and interview process to make sure that the course is right for you. So if you believe this course is the right fit, make sure to sign up. Thanks again for listening and enjoy this episode. Hold up. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today we have another great episode, another great uh, podcast episode for you guys. Um, Today, who we have on the other side of the mic is none other than Dr. Perry. He's a full-time human, part-time DC or doctor of chiropractic, the lymph doc, and the owner of Stop Chasing Pain and Functional Health Systems. Dr. Perry, Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here. All right. I mean, just starting off, just for the listeners that do not know uh, who you are and kind of what you've been up to, uh, can you just kind of give us a brief, um, I guess, just a background story of how you got where you're at? Sure. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Well, my degree to practice in healthcare is in chiropractic. I've been one for, geez, going on like 25 years now. I can't even believe that. But, uh, you know, but that role is kind of transformed over the years. Uh, so I still practice as a, a chiropractor, you know, helping people that are in pain. But my journey along these years to try to figure out why, why people have chronic pain in the first place, that's pain that keeps coming back. And then why all these different treatments that they get, even though they're really, really wonderful, don't help for very long, right? And then so I was on this journey to figure out kind of the underlying reason why stuff happens. And I became more of like a um, I guess as a teacher and educator. So the stuff that I had learned, I enjoyed sharing with people and trying to teach them the way that I look at the body and how I go about the body because my practice kind of evolved around beginning to take care of very difficult, chronic, hard-to-fix cases that most people were not able to uh, get help with anymore. Just kind of started knocking on my door. So I don't really see your typical, you know, um injuries or pain like when you first have for instance like low back pain or your shoulder starts to hurt like the beginning of pain 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I would still help people with that, of course, right? But I'm the guy that you usually will hear my name uh, in some circles or when you start to do your own investigation of tests. I just, no matter what I do, I just can't seem to get this well. I've tried everything, even surgeries and medications, and they ruled out anything really, really serious or life-threatening. And then I didn't want to live with the answer of you just have to learn to live with it or, you know, it's just age-related nonsense and stuff like that. Usually you'll find my name. And that's what Stop Chasing Pain, uh, my business name, means. It means that we treat pain, of course, but you usually find your answer for a chronic pain of why it's happening by not actually taking a look anymore at the site of where somebody feels um, their perceived pain. And that's a very important word that I use there, perceived pain, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because there's many, many different things that can cause pain. Pain doesn't really tell you a whole hell of a lot of anything. It it definitely doesn't tell you what the problem is. It only tells you that there is a problem. And that problem doesn't even have to be real. It could be a perceived type of pain basically on how you are looking at something. And then that's where you can go down in a big, deep rabbit hole of the whole mind-body connection and stuff like that. So that's kind of brought me to where my journey is now of starting in healthcare by uh, having an injury myself and then chiropractic helping me and then deciding that I wanted to become one, but really trying to dig deeper and look for the answers of why the body actually does what it does, trying to figure out its its strategy for protecting you. Right. I mean, so you started, uh, I, like you just mentioned, you had an injury and you, I guess yeah. the one of the first practitioners or the practitioner, I guess, that helped you the most was a chiropractor. And then you said, no, no this kind of looks pretty good. I want to kind of dive into that. I mean, is yeah. that pretty much what happened? Yeah, it is. I think it's a very similar story for people that get into healthcare or whatever discipline they're doing. Like, you know, if you, many people, uh, they hurt themselves, they go to a chiropractor and a chiropractor helps them. And they're like, wow, I mean, maybe I can do that. And then if you went to physical therapy and that really helped you, some people like to go into physical therapy or just general medicine. And I was a bodybuilder and I guess I still am. I mean, once, once you lift heavy stuff and put it down, you really never stop. Right. I, you know, I got a low back injury from doing deep, heavy squats, which is quite common, even when you do it the right way many, many different times. And mm-hmm. my training partner at the time, I was young. I think I was like 20, 21 years old. And I thought I was invincible, of course. And I said the very common phrase that most people do, maybe it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was 20, 21 and it did, right? <laughs> because you're, you're kind of young and you're more resilient at that standpoint, but it came back again and again. And then he said, maybe you should go see my chiropractor. I'm like, you're what? I didn't even... They weren't even on my radar at that time. Because you got to remember, this goes way back. This is like, this is like in the eighties, right? Okay. Where it was, and then um, he took me to this guy, and the guy put me on the table and, and did an adjustment, a maneuver, and I stood up off the table, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe like that." That made me feel so much better. And then uh, I didn't even think of becoming a chiropractor until years later because I had actually gone to school to originally study a different discipline. I had studied political science and was going to be a, a lawyer, Interesting. an attorney. And I really, you know, it just wasn't something that made me happy when I actually did it. And then I, I didn't go down that path and I was actually working in kind of the corporate world at that standpoint, trying to find myself, you might say. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, once I got hurt and then I said, you know what, I think I would like to be able to do this for a career. I actually had to go back to school from the beginning and get all of my sciences because before it was in more of a, it was a different arena. So I had to go back to 
school and get the basics of physics and chemistry and anatomy and physiology and all that sort of stuff. So it was um, more of a hurdle for me because I started later in life and and started working uh, part-time at my job, moved back home with my parents actually so I could go to school more Mm -hmm. full-time. And then right after I graduated school, I got married to the woman I'm still with today, awesome. 26, 26 years later. And two weeks after that, we were in the middle of the United States in Davenport, Iowa, and I was going to Palmer College of Chiropractic, and that's how it happened. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's like you mentioned, I mean, most of us have a similar story, whether it was an athletic injury that kind of led us into more of the sports realm, or if it was... Um, uh, kind of like something like you, you, I mean, you were in the sports, you were, you were a bodybuilder, you were training, um, one of your, you know, one of your friends like, Hey, you should probably, you know, try getting treatment from one of my chiropractors or, or you're like, what? Um, and then yeah. you kind of went into the realm of, okay, this is something I kind of want to explore. So you went through, once you were going through that, where you're already doing public health and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, political science and the, uh, lawyer, you're already going down that track or you were thinking about it. No, I mean, I had actually gone to school for it, right? Yeah. And, and But I, like, my third year into going down that track, I'm like, this is not for me. I just wasn't, right. I wasn't feeling it in my heart. And I, mm-hmm. I decided to leave school. I just didn't want to keep going just because I could keep going. And I decided to get out. And what I tell people is I just needed to get my ass kicked in the real world a little bit, you know? And then I was just working and I was doing different kind of jobs and just trying to experience life because I could find a little bit more of who I am. And, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. We just have to step back and then see and look at it and discover why that might have happened to you. And Mm -hmm. what I found, I've been on this planet for 52 years. The one thing I'm realizing is that it's through our greatest pain and suffering is where we usually find our our answers or uh our destiny or our why of why we are here or who we are at our core because you never grow when you're in your comfort zone you only grow when you really get kicked right and punched and and then you're down because it forces you to become resilient and to find your way through it i I'm, I look back on that injury and that one single moment uh, actually changed the course of my life and the direction that I went. And here's the funny thing, though, is that I've, I know I've always been looking to try to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, like what, like what's my mission, what's my purpose, because I believe mm-hmm. everybody has one, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I thought it was chiropractic, and I went through chiropractic, and I was practicing chiropractic, but I still didn't have that. Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? That fire, I, I guess. I, yeah, it, it's almost like when I would take a moment and I would, if fire is is a part of it, but it's like, man, this is what I'm meant to be. It just felt right. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even have that with chiropractic at the time. I, I enjoyed it, right? But I knew that it was just a stepping stone to something else. And then I, I firmly believe that what I'm doing right now is what my purpose is. And that's mm-hmm. through teaching and education and 
you know, when I take care of a human being, I, I can change that human being's life for sure with what I do with my hands when they're in my office. Uh, but I've found that if I could stand in front of a room and teach a group of people, or I could put a piece of educational material out that billions of people can see on the, the internet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many more lives I could impact that way? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, if I look back on and the true definition of doctor, doctor, the term actually means teacher. That's yep. what it means. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of doctors forget that shit. And it's, <laughs> and so when I'm up there, it's not me standing on some holier than now mountain where I, you know, I tell you what you need to do because telling is not teaching. It's, it's where I'm up there and I'm trying to educate or uh, to share with you. And uh, that's what I took to heart of what being a doctor means is a, teacher. And I also learned a long time ago when I began my journey is that just because I'm teaching you something doesn't mean you're learning anything either. Mm-hmm. And then that comes from then learning more about how to, to get my message across to another person. And then you actually touched on it in the beginning. You know, when I filled out your questionnaire about can you give a little bit about yourself? Mm-hmm. If you notice my first one, you probably read it. You were like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I said full-time human. Right? Coming from you, coming from you, it was well, well expected. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's not about me. It's, it's not yeah. about all these different accolades that I can throw on you. And these initials I can put after my name. And I realized that I, I could have the, the biggest impact on myself and with another human being, when you got to remember that we're all human beings, we're all in this together. And then when you can uh, teach human to human, I can treat human to human. I can listen human to human. That in and of itself is uh, healing when, when you do it and when you find it. And I personally think that we need a lot more of that in healthcare and in the world today because I step back and look at the industry and we, we've come further than we've ever come in our technological advances and then the way we can explain what the body is trying to do as much sense as we can make of it. But I always say the human body is under no obligation to make sense to you. Mm-hmm. But we keep trying to do it. And you know I can break everything down and explain everything to you. But I see from where am I bandage point is, is that people are not getting healthier, they're getting sicker. Mm-hmm. Chronic disease is more out of control than ever before. And then because it's out of control, we just accept it as the norm, because it's common and common is not normal. And we're trying to go at these at healthcare, the same way we've done the Latin throughout history. And I think that we're more losing a sense of ourselves. And we're getting caught up in information and data and research and breaking things down into these micro things. And we're losing a sense of the connection. We're losing a sense of the humanity. We're losing a sense of the whole or what I call an ecosystem. An ecosystem is how everything in an environment works together. Nothing Mm -hmm. works alone. 
And that's the biggest mistake that medicine makes right now is they break everything down into the individual parts and they analyze the shit out of it, but they don't realize that everything changes when you throw all these quote unquote parts together right. in a dynamic, living, breathing, adaptable human being that has emotions. And then these parts react to how that particular human perceives the world their assumptions their biases and stuff like that so it's not really i know i'm kind of going deep here from the one question but it's you keep going you're doing it's not about the tissue that we're trying to fix or the diagnosis that we're trying to fix those are all just labels those are just all just names right everything has has an interplay and I always say that you're only as strong and resilient as your weakest and your most vulnerable system mm-hmm. of your body. And it's not always the painful one. That's that's the trick. Right. That we think everything's hunky-dory and everything's great as long as nothing hurts. Right. And we've set this baseline of adaptations for misery where the body is designed to adapt to stress. So when you start getting tired, fatigue, headache, soreness, all this, it just becomes your normal because your body has to adapt to it and to deal with it. And you forget what good feels like. You forget how life is supposed to be. You're not supposed to have headaches all the time. You're not supposed to have back pain all the time. You're not supposed to be overweight all the time. You're not supposed to be 60 years old and be on 30 different types of medications to just go get your blood pressure. You're supposed to be dynamic and resilient and strong and keep your brain and keep your memory for the significant part of your life. And we just forget that. And my journey up to this point is to just stop putting a bandaid on all these areas where people feel pain and to help pain go away, but try to figure out you know, why the body got to that state in the first place. So what I do is I try to study the brain and the nervous system and the whole body together. And one of the, the biggest things that have helped me is that I stop looking at the body and I stop thinking like a doctor i stopped thinking like somebody who went and looked at all this research right i mean that's helped shape to how i'm going to perceive something but i realize that what makes us all uniquely human is i have to start thinking like i say you need to think like your brain you need to think like your body like what's most important in life to your brain and your body well number one is that you're not dead that's a good day. That's number right. one. As long as you're not dead, it's a good day, right? And it doesn't really care if you're happy. It doesn't care if you got a six pack. It doesn't care if you have a great relationship. It just cares that you're not dead and it'll do anything it has to, anything it wants. And that doesn't have to make sense to you to try to make that goal possible. So don't die Try not to have pain and everything else is okay. We'll just deal with it as we come upon it. And then as long as you know that, that that's the goal, I try to find out what is the body protecting me from? That's the key. It's doing whatever symptoms you have right now. It's not punishment. It's it's not designed to make your life miserable. It's ultimately trying to protect you from something that could be far greater than what's happening with you right now. And then my job is to find out, okay, if my right shoulder hurts all the time, what's it trying to protect me from? 
And that's a vastly different way of looking at the body than trying to beat the crap out of my shoulder and blame it for hurting, right? Mm -hmm. Because pain is ultimately a protective response from your body. It's not a punishment response. Absolutely. It's a a, protective response. Yeah, it's a protective response from tissue that might be damaged, but they're finding from research now that pain doesn't equate to tissue damage. It could be Mm -hmm. protective in relationship to a perceived, even an emotional type Mm -hmm. of protection, right? So there's a lot of things that get encompassed into an individual that has chronic pain. And I think that's an important distinction to say is because chronic pain and acute pain are two different things. Acute traumatic pain is something where you slip, you fall, you get hit, you're in an accident. That's like A happens, then you do B. It's very linear like this, right? Chronic Mm -hmm. pain and chronic disease are nonlinear. It doesn't go step by step. It goes kind of like in circles and loops and up and down and inside and out like that. And as many different paths that it can uh, take. And that's the ones that modern medicine struggles with the most. Modern medicine is really great at saving your life, but they really suck at prolonging it for a quality of life in my opinion. Just because you live longer of your age doesn't mean it's a quality life either. Like the medicine says that, oh, we live longer than we've ever before. And I'm like, yeah, but have you looked at how freaking miserable people are? Mm-hmm. And, and how many chronic diseases that they have and all these and, and, and whatever happiness scale is like too. There's many different variables that you have to go into when you look at it. I mean, you, you went in deep, Dr. Perry. I did. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I just do that. That's me. It's good. It's good. We're going to, I'm going to, I wrote a couple of uh, marks down here so we can kind of talk about each point. Um, and I'm going to start first um, with the, with the struggling component that you're talking about. Um, the fact that you struggle trying to figure out who and who you wanted to be and how you wanted to treat. I mean, I think as a as a practitioner myself and to those listening that are practitioners or trying to become practitioners, um, I think we all kind of go through similar aspects, right? Because you there's so many different um, methods, different types of disciplines, um, which ones connect with you, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with that. So I think that same um, struggle um, that you kind of went through. I think a lot of the listeners have gone through, but I don't think they understand the importance of that. I think sometimes, I mean, I, I'm talking about myself as well. When I first started, I was like, I mean, man, am I the only one that's going through this? You know, I must be doing yeah. something wrong. I might not be um, as good as everybody else because I'm struggling with this. Um, but someone as as um, educated and as, I mean, in my eyes, well-known and very um very knowledgeable in the field, not in just chiropractic, not in just um, hands-on work, but just in medicine itself, you too also had that struggling point. Um, and, and you mentioned that that actually made you who you are. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like the saying goes, um, the pressure makes the diamond, right? Diamond comes out of a pressure, pressure rock. Um, and I think that's a similar situation that you kind of went through. Yeah, I'm, uh, but it, it kind of ties back to what I was saying before, right? Is that we're all human beings going Mm -hmm. through this journey together and you know you think just because somebody is at a certain level or a a certain status in whatever their field is i mean Mm -hmm. let's look at uh, uh, music and acting right we we see people that are larger than life and Mm -hmm. we learn that they suffer the same you know they have tragedy and and then they're lost and they have everything that you could think that they would want in the world that we would view as successful Mm -hmm. and they're not happy. 
mm-hmm. right? And be, be it money or be it position or, you know, I've got three doctorates and blah, blah, blah. And I'm right. the most respected in my field. It really doesn't matter if you're not happy, if you're not kind of going true to yourself and you, you feel sometimes that you're, you're alone in this journey. And then you look on social media and everybody exposes not their weaknesses most of the time. Everybody looks like they're doing way better than you. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, the, the perfect vacation, the perfect body, the perfect spouse, you know, mm-hmm. the perfect exercise, all this. And you're like, am I the only one that's miserable here? <laughs> right. and, the, right. and then you feel alone. And, but, you know, they call it practice for a reason. Like right. you're, you're always trying to learn and be better. And here's the thing. Um, you only get better by making a lot of mistakes along the way, but you have to be willing to make the mistakes and willing to take the fall. And the, the quicker you make mistakes, the faster you learn than anyone else. And, mm-hmm. But I think it's important as well to understand this is that I, you know, I see this debate all the time amongst our profession or on social media where, you know, uh, this profession is better for this or this technique works and that technique doesn't work. Well, the dirty little secret is everything works for someone, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Everything has its place. And trust me, if you really love what you do and you love what you practice, you're going to make a difference for someone. You might not make a difference for everyone because that's called fantasy land, right? I mean, right. I don't think anything works for everyone except maybe death, right? I mean, that's the the ultimate works for everyone. But I think that along the way, I got less wrapped up and I looked more at concepts. So if you have this fundamental concept of the way you look at the body, maybe you could call that your paradigm, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you know a concept, you can create a, endless amount of techniques underneath that banner of a concept. So for instance, in the beginning of my journey in chiropractic, the concept was if I heal the spine and I get your spine moving well, I can affect your nervous system. And then thus, if I affect your nervous system, I can make other systems function better. So that's a concept. And those techniques would work around that, right? Right. And then right. I just I just wanted to grow my concept to something bigger. And then that's why I I think that everything works. I try a little bit of whatever I need to to try to make a difference in someone's life. And my mm-hmm. journey of what I am open to now and what I do now has really changed. And honestly, in the beginning I was very close minded to a lot of the techniques that I do now that I feel I get the most powerful results for because I was not open and uh opened up enough to let them in mm-hmm, stand mm-hmm. up because my perception and my assumptions and my biases were getting in my way and usually that's a matter of you know the discipline that you're in right sometimes you don't let anything else in because you see the world as you want if you don't see the world as it is you see it as you are that's exactly and so you need to yeah go ahead Go ahead. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, you said something very powerful twice. I mean, the first thing you said, not everything is for everyone. And then the right. second thing you said was you weren't. So the method worked, right? The methods worked, but you weren't actually ready to kind of perceive them as they were to be able to help you in whatever instances, if it was for a patient, if it was for you. 
I think those are two things that that are extremely important. The four, like like I mentioned, the first one being is that not everything works for everyone. Like you can be a really good uh, chiropractor, but the patient in front of you might need something else, or you might be a really right. good manuotherapist or whatever. And you might, you know, this patient might need something else. It's not necessarily saying that you as a practitioner or what your discipline is isn't good. It's just for that specific moment, that's not what the patient needed. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand that uh, one of the things that I learned along the way was this, that maybe it's not even your techniques or your skills that are the issue, but is the human being standing in front of you ready to let them in to actually heal them? Mm. They, they have to be ready. Does that make sense? Like yeah, if, if their nervous system or they're not ready to go into this journey with you or what you're doing that can make a huge difference in your overall success rates. I mean, they call that like a, uh, some words for that are nocebo effect or mm -hmm. placebo effect. Nocebo effect is the words I choose to talk to you can make you better or worse. Mm -hmm. Sometimes worse. That's what nocebo means. Right. And placebo is something where, uh, you know, you think you feel better just by the change of something because you think you feel better, which mm -hmm. the dirty little secret is everything is a placebo effect. That's why you're a human being and you're not a rock. Right. Like your interpretation makes a difference of something, right? And the, um, the, the thing that I learned about the brain that was one of the most powerful things that uh, was helpful for me in working with people is that the brain is designed for utility, designed to take in what's useful, not to take in what's accurate, which means that it doesn't have to be right. Mm. It just has to be useful. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, we're not, we're not all Spock. Yeah, you need to listen to that. <laughs> like it, 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 the brain will do something it thinks is useful whether you think it's right or it's wrong. It's neither right or wrong to your brain. It doesn't give a shit if you think it's right or wrong. It's just useful. Mm -hmm. So even pain, you think that's wrong. No, it's not. It's very useful to your body. And your brain only uses things that were useful to use in the past. It mm -hmm. uses things that were useful to use in the past. And what does it base that on? Your prior history. So that's why we repeat bad habits all the time. Because for something, some reason in your brain and your body, whether you know it or not consciously, it was a useful for you to do that habit. And that's the only reason you kept doing it, right? And then you have to kind of dig down and to get that nut right. to help it. And then, so when I think like that, when I come from that standpoint, yeah, that made a huge difference on what I do. Because two of the things that I would never go near early in my journey with this. I never did any type of emotional-based work, looking at the role that emotion plays in physical pain. I thought mm -hmm. it was kind of fluff or frou-frou-y or things like that. And then now it comes based in the pain science they call the biopsychosocial model of pain, that they're right. seeing that your emotional perception of the world or pain makes a difference on whether something hurts more or less. So that's a very powerful one. So if I can get down and relate to you as a human being on an emotional level, I can change chronic pain way more than the latest technique I can use to move your spine. Absolutely. And the second one is I always thought I had to go harder, faster, deeper, longer, and really dig into tissue to try to make a difference in how you feel like mm -hmm. the hurt so good type of thing. And I would never do any really superficial light work that seemed 
like ridiculously light that uh, I was wasting my time with someone mm-hmm. uh, because they expected for me to go hard and deep. You follow? Yeah. And then I just started to go really, really light and easier and more gentle. And then that approach tied in with the emotional approach when you realize that when I go hard and I go deep and I cause pain and I'm too forceful, that actually crosses over into the emotional arena because I put you into this threat response where you're falling back on survival and you're pulling away from the moment that you're in. Mm-hmm. And you know it would make a difference of whether you're learning anything because when you're under threat and you're in emotion and too much stress, your brain goes into adaptation and compensations of prior habits that it found useful to do in the first place. So, which means that, let's think of this. So if you have a right upper trap that's on the right side of your shoulder that's in spasm all the time, it's doing that because it's useful for somewhere for your body to do it. I don't know why yet, I just know it is. And then if I dig into some part of your body and then I make you use that shoulder as a protective mechanism, I'm just feeding that utility. So what I have to do is I have to go and break that cycle. Mm -hmm. And then you can really find a lot of things going on with the human being standing in front of you, not the body part. You got to remember there's a human being attached to the piece of meat you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then you can usually find your answer. And trust me, if you've got a chronic disease problem, I know there's a lot of stress, incessant stress, and there's always an emotional component connected to any type of autoimmune disease. That's just, that's just a given. Yeah. I mean, you, you just went into a lot there. And I mean, you, you went ahead and mentioned this earlier. You talked about um, listening, observing, and teaching, right? You were talking more so about how you go about teaching and stuff like that. But I think also it goes and ties in into the patient that you have in front of you. Um, right. Yeah, right. If you're listening to what exactly they're telling you, they're telling you a whole lot, right? What's happening, what's causing a lot of things. I think sometimes as a practitioner, I know myself included earlier on, I would think about just trying to get the key points. Okay, what's the physical point? Okay, shoulder, they were throwing or, you know, they were working out. It was their shoulder. It was this, this. Okay, just, I just missed a whole point of the fact that they've been dealing with this stressful job and they've been dealing with so-and-so, this person or whatever, and the fact that they can't necessarily uh, handle that amount of stress. And then what do they do? They go into the gym and go into whatever modality it is to kind of fight off that stress. I mean, you mentioned stress being a big component. It is a very ginormous uh, component. But what happens, I think a lot, especially as practitioners, we think about the physical because the emotional side, like you mentioned, is more like the foo-foo kind of like the um not talked about subject now is becoming right like you just mentioned the biosocial uh, psychosocial model that's become yeah. more um familiar um but the listen the observing and the teach um component i think it's it's something that is starting to pick up but it's just super important i mean again you just mentioned it's not always just the physical it's not always trying to um put the amount of pressure that you you know that you're supposed to Right, or trying to figure out why in, in, in reality is that tissue screaming for help in the beginning? Why is it why is there pain there? And I think um physical is always easier than the emotional side, which is probably why it goes um that route. But um I'm I would like to hear on on your side, you mentioned the doctor, you mentioned the teacher, and then you mentioned the human. Um and I think they both they're both basically or they're all three the same person but I think in different parameters or different components. 
Can you go a little bit more into that and then going into basically, um, basically how, how is it that you treat the human first? I mean, you started mentioning a little bit more about the emotional side, but thinking or talking more so about your approach when you're actually uh, treating a patient and then teaching the stuff and trying to spread this message through your courses and your resources that you have available. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I, th I think that, you know, when somebody comes in to see me, I start with a, a clean slate, right? I'm, mm. One of the things that can happen is when you, when you are more of a specialist in something, mm -hmm. you tend to always find what you're looking for. <laughs> so right. a, a specialist, in my opinion, is somebody who knows more and more about less and less. And <laughs> that everything, you know, like, holy cow, I'm finding another one of these things. Well, right. maybe that's what you're looking for, right? right. And it, but here's the rub. I learned a long time ago that nothing in life is more terrifying than the idea of unlimited possibilities. Mm. Um, and you know what we call that? Uncertainty. Mm. Like, because it's just so much that you got, you don't even know which way to go, right? So you're just standing there overwhelmed, which is what happens with information overload on the internet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, where do you even start? And it's not so much about the information because information, information and data are inherently meaningless. They don't mean anything until you put your perceptions on that information. What I mean by that is this, that you and I could see the same comedy show, for instance, or read the same line in a book it's going to mean something different to you than it did to me. You may laugh, I may get upset, or you may have found this and I found that. Well, the information is still the damn same. It's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. What changed is just the perception that you did on that. So when I talk to someone, I don't just go through this checklist of stuff. I have a checklist. I have a system that I need to go through, but I really stop. And I listen with intention and I pay attention and I look at the body for clues uh, of what, what I'm doing. Like without even touching someone, of course, I look and see how they move. Mm -hmm. But I look at signs of the nervous system, which can show me are when they talk about something, do I see physical, physical signs of distress? Do I see change in body language? Do I see change in, in the eyes? And breathing, like when I go near someone to touch them, I don't just jump into some, okay, you've got hip pain and I start doing some standard range of motion test on your hip or orthopedic test and press into the tissue. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm scanning the whole system and I'm getting a sense of what happens to the body when I come to it lightly and begin to touch areas and the body never lies to you. It's always showing you some clues. You just have to be able to uh, be open up to spot it and mm -hmm. see it. Uh, and it's really hard to do that these days in medicine, honestly, because so many people are seeing ton of patients in one day. Uh, you only have 15 minutes with the client. You know, you get paid $5 to work with a client. So you're like in this mill kind of mm -hmm. thing. And I purposely designed my practice where I'm with each person for one hour. And my first session is one hour intensive examination. 
and now what I do is I look at all the systems of uh, a person's body when they come on in to see me. So for instance, remember I talked about before when you're dealing with a human being, you have many, many different types of systems in the body, right? Mm -hmm. And most people, when they have some type of physical pain, uh, it can come from any number of re regions, right? But it's usually going to be like a muscle that hurts, a joint that hurts, or right. a region like my neck hurts and my back hurts. And mm -hmm. we call that the musculoskeletal system, right? Muscles right. or soft tissue that hurt. And then or lo local site of pain. But that's only one small piece of the puzzle. And my journey has grown a lot over the years because stop chasing pain started where if you came in, let's say for instance, that your right knee hurt you. I thought it was the coolest, biggest life-changing thing I've ever seen when I'm like, holy cow, maybe it's the joint above it or below it. Like maybe it's not the knee, but if it's the ankle or the hip. Right. And to me, that was like the coolest thing because even that is different than a lot of places that you'll go. They'll just treat the knee as well as you should. Mm -hmm. And then I usually found that the underlying issue would come from these non-painful areas that had dysfunction. Dysfunction doesn't mean pain, but maybe it didn't move as well mm -hmm. or it couldn't sense things as well in an area which is big or it didn't have a lot of control what they call stability. So for instance, if your knee hurts, maybe it's because your ankle joint doesn't move well or your hip doesn't have great control and the knee pays the price. And so I had great success with that. And then I started to think even bigger. I'm like, well, geez, what if I work, I look up and then maybe look at the, uh, the neck or the shoulder in relationship to knee. And then I found it there. But the more I grew into looking at the other systems, I expanded this idea of a human with all these other ecosystems together. So when you come in to see me, for instance, let's just say that you've got chronic low back pain, which as we know in the world today is kind of epidemic. Like right. it's getting worse, not better. Despite all the research and blah, 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 everybody's worse. So I would look at your lower back, but now I know these other systems. The first system I'm going to look at is your physical and emotional system, your stress system. How much overall physical, mental, and emotional stress that you're under? Because excess stress in your body, be it physical or emotional, causes excess tension in your body. The excess tension in muscles causes decreased blood flow, known as hypoxia, which starves the nerve and the tissue, so you get pain and you don't want to move, right? Then I look at your lymphatic system, which I teach out a ton. That's the sewage system of your body that's designed to actually get rid of inflammation. Once I'm treating it, it has to get out of your body. When you get damaged, you get inflammation and you get toxins. If you can't get rid of that, you get worse. So I look at the lymph. I look at all the organs now of your body. I look and see, do you move well in your liver, your intestines, your spleen, your stomach? All those, if they don't move well, your back's going to hurt. Then I look at individual nerves around your back but I also look at the nerves around the front. And then I look at the muscle, the facet, and the joint. I look at blood flow. So basically when you come in to see me, people are like, Doc, you're like looking at a lot of stuff here, man. Like, you know, it's just my back, right? I'm like, yeah, so now you're catching on. And I've been, uh, for my journey, it's when you come in to see me, what I know most of the time when you see me is that you've probably seen a lot of other people Mm -hmm. prior to coming in to see me. 
And I have the luxury at that point to know that they've probably done a lot of x-rays or MRIs or tests or examinations to rule out anything really serious to the area like a cancer or a tumor or referred pain from something that might need surgical intervention. Mm -hmm. And they've probably done a boatload of treatment to your physical area of pain. So if that was the problem, it's not likely you would be standing in front of me because you would have been better by now if that was the problem. Does that make sense? So I know I automatically know I'm going to look for something different. I do have a few different modality treatments that I do that not a lot of other people do that I try first, like a lot of deep tissue, high power laser therapy, which I've done for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of different types of energy frequency type medicine through vibration and frequency and sound that Mm -hmm. works quite well. So I do some of those strategies because you probably never had those before, but then I'll also look at some other underlying type of issue. So I guess to answer your question is, is that it is a lot of different things that I look at and I never do the same thing twice when somebody comes in to see me. Mm -hmm. Even though I have a system, I have a template that I go through. It's not like mass chaos, but I'll be the first to jump that system and dump it based on what I see on my journey along, along the way. So Um, you, I mean, what you're saying is, so you have systems, you have I mean, again, you're going through such an extensive an assessment as you should, but then also too, you're seeing the person as they present themselves that day, because how they presented to you the first time might've been this way, but then the second time might've been a certain way, depending on a whole bunch of different variables, how they reacted and stress at work, how they, you know, train more, whatever it is, physical, the mental, the emotional side. Um, You mentioned systems as a guide, but not, not a fixed, um, template in a sense. I mean, I guess it's more of a template rather than a fixed protocol. I mean, is that pretty much what you were saying? As far as yeah, so I have, one of my favorite, I have one of my favorite quotes that I heard once. Uh, <laughs> and it said this, and it really stuck with me, that you don't rise to the level of your goals. It's good to have goals, right? Mm-hmm. right? Like my goal is to get out of pain. I'm like, okay, that's good. Right? But then you have to have some action behind it, right? Right. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Hmm. You fall to the level of your system, which means you're only going to be as get as close to your goal is if you have action behind it, but you have to have a systematic plan along the way. Mm -hmm. So uh, like if you can't, if I'm not reaching my goal and somebody else reaches their goal, I know one thing, they had a better system than I do. Right. Oh, it's, so I looked at the word systems and I'm like, okay, well, it's your system of approach, right? The system of treatment that I'm going to be doing for someone, right? Mm-hmm. My, maybe my systems is I've got laser, I've got movement, I've got rock tape, I've got this. But you also have to determine like where those fall in, in the system at the time that you need it. Like which one comes first, you follow? Mm-hmm. And it never comes the same way all the time because you have to change it up based on the person in front of you, which freaks people out. By systems, you mean like muscular, nerves, lymph, depending on where you're trying to input these modalities or these uh, methods. Trying to that, I'm getting to that. Yeah. But right now I'm talking about your system of approach. Like, okay, you have back pain. What's my system to get you better? Like your system might be physical therapy. My system might be chiropractic, right? Right. 
you know, my goal is to get you out of pain, but if I don't get you out of pain, maybe I got the wrong system, mm. right? Okay. So like we said before, it doesn't work for everyone. Or if I do have a system, do I have it organized in the right manner? Do I put ultrasound on you first? Do I do heat on you first? Do I do rock tape on you first? Do I do exercise first? Which exercise do I do? A or do I B or I do a C? So it's, you can have a system of approach, but then you're like, okay, well, how do you organize that system? But it's also the other systems, like you mentioned before. Remember, you've got the brain, you've got lymphatic, you've got your, your organs, your vascular, your nerves, your hormonal, your endocrine, your muscle, your fascia, your joint, your local tissue, you got all those. So you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your system. So I know, like I said before, you're only as strong and resilient as your weakest and most vulnerable system. So you could have a muscle pain in your lower back, but it's only as strong as, say, for instance, your gut in the front that might have the inflammation in it, that's that's the root in the system. So if I don't go after that, I'm not going to ultimately get your back better. So you have to have your system of approach. For me, it's just knowing that you got all these other systems that you should be looking at or at least be observing, right? Right. And then it's your system of approach after that. So first comes first is this. I have to make sure I'm dealing with the right body system and in the right order because when I look at the brain and I look at the body, we know from what we were talking about before, right? The ultimate goal of your brain is protection and survival, correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, not to That's be dead goal. and not to be in pain. Right. And it has a hierarchy of choices of things that are more important in itself to accomplish that goal, which means there are structures in your body that are more important than other structures. So let's say everything is important on you. Otherwise, Mother Nature wouldn't have given it to you. But there's a priority system. So let's say your brain is pretty high priority. And let's say oxygen. Let's say oxygen is a high priority, right? Right. Can I get enough oxygen into my system so that I don't die? That comes first before my pinky toe has got a hangnail. That is low on the totem pole. So your brain and your nervous system will sacrifice less important tissue and structures to protect more important tissues and structures. So it picks and chooses where it wants to steal from based on what's going to cause the least amount of damage for you in that moment. Here's the rub, not necessarily in the long run. It's not really concerned about the long run. It's concerned about the moment that it's living in. So it'll make a split second decision, whether it seems logical to you or not, to deal with the situation that it's in. It'll worry about the repercussions later. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's why things can spiral out of control for you. And so I know this, that you need to have oxygen and glucose for nerves to function well. And nerves are really important because they're the things that tell stuff what to do and what not to do from your tissues and from your brain. So your, uh, your body will do whatever it has to do to keep that oxygen level as good as it can. And it'll take from other systems to make that happen. 
So when I look at the body, I know as a hierarchy. So I can say, if I give you better oxygen delivery, if I mm-hmm. give you better blood flow, that's going to give you way better results for all the other systems because that's higher up at the top of the pyramid of importance. And that if I can help that, all of these smaller, other lesser things, for instance, can improve. So if I go back to my list, for instance, Mm -hmm. let's say that you have really, really painful, tight lower back, Mm -hmm. right? Most people get tissue injuries uh, they call it deformations, deformations in tissue from two reasons. One, you don't move yourself enough. So everything just stays in one place. And if you don't use, use it, you lose it. You become stagnant and it hurts from too much pressure on right. something. You, for instance, you sit all the damn time, right? And then another one is you do the same type of movement all the time. It's repetitive. So you move, but it's not enough of a different type of movement. So that's why you need to not just move. You have to move more of yourself more often in more ways and more environments. They call that adaptive movement. And I call that just move yourself in a lot of different ways that are inconvenient, not convenient, right? Mm -hmm. So that lower back gets really, really tight. So I'm going to go to your lower back. But when I think about the systems, for instance, I'm going to give you an example if I have time. Yes. Absolutely. So one, I know the lymphatic system I talked about before, the lymphatic system is in charge of keeping the environment that all these cells live in that need the oxygen functioning well. If the lymphatic system doesn't function well, you can't get the oxygen from the, the arterial blood flow system into the cell. The oxygen is there. It just can't get to the cell because it can't make its way through the fluid to get to the cell. And then you're screwed. So Also, if you have extremely tight tissue from excess stress, blood flow can't travel well through tight tissue, so the excess tension prevents the blood from getting there. If the blood can get there, it can't get to the cell because it can't get through the lymph. So I go up near my lymphatic system. I help clear the lymph a little bit, so then the oxygen now can get to your lower back that I just treated on my table. Mm -hmm. But then I have to decrease your stress your brain stress, your emotional stress, your traumatic stress, right? Get you to laugh, get you to smile, get you to move, get you to Mm -hmm. sleep, uh, to sit less in the same position because if I decrease stress, I decrease the excess tension in your body, which helps the blood flow, which helps the lymph. So I'm not just working on your lower back. I'm working on the other systems that are much more important to help the thing that I did to your back function better. And here's the rub. I'm not interested in what makes you feel better in the moment. Mm-hmm. Because most anything can make you feel better in the moment. Right. What I'm concerned with is can I do something to you via my systems to help things stick longer? Right. That's always been my goal of like, why if I adjust your back chiropractically or I do all these things, it keeps coming back. Why does it keep coming back? That means that I've missed something somewhere in the environment that is happening inside of your body ecosystem, or I've missed something in the environment that you're doing outside of your body, AKA a habit or behavior that you're doing that is bringing things back into recycle again. So you cannot get well in the same environment you became ill with then. Mm -hmm. So I know that I have to look at 
both environments, the internal environment inside of your body, the internal environment in your brain, which determines how you think about the external environment, determines what happens on the internal part of your environment. Mm-hmm. And then I have to look at the environment outside of let me your ask, body. Let me ask you a question. Think, what's, what's the conversation that you have? So if you've gone through the initial assessment, you've gone through these systems, you understand more or less what system you need to attack first. You use your yeah. uh, systems of approach to um, then attack that system that has that priority, right? Um, you've gone through your treatment. What's the conversation after, um, I guess, the treatment session? Is there an education component? I mean, oh, yeah. you already educated them through this whole process, I'm sure, because I've already... I educated them right from the beginning. Right so, from the beginning. Here's what I do is I have a list up in my office. Okay. That's listed one through nine. And I list all of these systems that I just mentioned to you. Got it. That I, that I told them. Because listen, people are smarter than you think they are. And right. just because they're systems of the body and they're anatomical terms doesn't mean they can't understand them, right? right? So I put them up there, I break them down, and I'm going, okay. I'm like, at the bottom of my list, I have what says site of pain local tissue. Mm-hmm. It says it right there at the very bottom. That's number and nine. At the very, that's number nine. Got it. At the very bottom, I'm at the very top, I have stress and I have your brain that's physical and emotional at the top. And I say, okay, this is what makes you unique as a human being is number one. That is unlike anybody else on this planet. And I've got the numbers in between. And I tell them, I'm like, everybody that you've seen up to this point has been going after number nine. Right. And that's good. They should have. And I am also going to go after number nine, but here's what we're going to do different. I'm going to start at number one as well. Right. And we're going to work our way down. So rather than fight from the bottom up, I'm going to go from top down because the ones at higher near the top are more important. Mm-hmm. That's the priority system, right? Yeah. And then when they see that, they're like, that makes perfect sense, right? And if they don't understand it when I go along, They'll understand it at the end because when I'm done with my examination, I get the same thing everybody ever told me. I've never had anybody ever examine me like you just did. Nobody. Because what happens is I don't just look at one system of the body and I don't just spend 10 minutes with you and I don't talk down to you or diminish what you're saying. And then here's the rub. If you got chronic pain, I know the answer to your problem is higher up in the numbers, not on the local site of pain. And I have to go way, way back. I got to go really far back in your history of what's happening to you ever since you were little, right? Mm -hmm. To find like an underlying catalyst. And then when you study emotional trauma Mm -hmm. and how the body never forgets, the nervous system never forgets, tissue never forgets. They're finding that some of these issues that people are dealing with in their 30s and their 40s are trauma that's held on to them when they were younger in their adolescent years Mm -hmm. that has manifested itself because that trauma and that stress, what we do is we we submerge it, we push it down, we, we push through it, right? We don't show it. And then all of that stress is excess tension. Mm-hmm. And it 
comes out later. And all this stress is just incessant beat down on you all of the time. And then all of a sudden you have a moment where something just suddenly shows up out of nowhere. Right. And then, you know, holy cow, yesterday I didn't have fibromyalgia and now I do. What the hell, right? Like you have to go back into the history and figure out okay, what that is. And when you look at chronic disease, it's quite interesting. They see the, the catalyst that kicks it off is usually a significant emotional event that happens in a person's life, mm -hmm. be it a death, a divorce, uh, loss of a career, uh, bankruptcy, stuff like that. That is too, I always equate it to stress is like filling up a glass of water. Every drop adds to it. And when it's right at the top, right at the top, it only takes one small little drop, one tiny little drop. Typically. And then everything starts to flow over. Mm -hmm. And it's not that one drop that was the problem. It's all of the drops, right? I that, had, that did that. It, it reminds me because one of my friends, so I'm doing uh, acupuncture and oriental medicine now. Um, cool. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's kind of like you mentioned, it's just a bigger aspect of how, I mean, these guys thousands and thousands of years ago used nature to create a diagnostic, which is insane, but very is genius is what it is but uh, again you're you're having this holistic approach to it and one of my professors he said a lot of times when we're treating something uh normally it's it's people are it's like a getting a golf ball or should i say a ping pong ball right and try to push it underwater right yeah. as long as your hand is there the ping pong ball is underwater right as long as you are um putting a band-aid to whatever issue it is the problem for whatever uh lack of a better word is is being resolved in a sense but as soon as uh, you take the hand off as soon as you take off that band-aid it's like you mentioned the water starts to overflow that the problem now that wasn't there it erupts and then we try to we try to put that band-aid on on that drop that last drop when in reality it was just the amount of um, stuff prior to that right all the variables that led to that point that were the initial issue so i think you yeah. just made a, an awesome an awesome point yeah, and you're, I mean, that's a great analogy too. I mean, it once, once again, it comes back to a, a term I heard because I, I study functional medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And I, functional medicine is looking at the body kind of like Eastern medicine. Uh, mm -hmm. It's more of a holistic approach that all these other different systems work together. And they have a term in there that they call a person's life load. Mm. That's, that's the load of life kicking your ass from the moment that you're born. Right. And, you know, a lot of people, listen, a lot of people have their biggest stressors early on in the first year of their life wow. that kickstarts them. They're seeing now that, you know, with the, the gut microbiome and mm -hmm. then the, they don't have enough of the good stuff. And then they're seeing the toxins are transferred from the mother to the infant right through the placenta. And wow. then they're behind the get go from the beginning. So I have to go back and look in like the world of functional medicine. If I know somebody, for instance, that, oh, I had mono when I was six years old, that's what's kicking your ass now at 45 with your fibromyalgia. Like mm -hmm. that stuff has made a difference in your stress and in your immune system for the last 40 years. Right. 
because the virus never leaves you. It's always there. It's just kept under control by the strength and integrity of your nervous system, which is always an underlying stress. And then the more stress you have, then those other things can come out and then take you out. And then you have to look at all of those other things. But unfortunately, we don't really see the relevance of things that have happened to us in the past from Mm -hmm. that type of injury, but also even other traumatic injuries, for instance, like uh, two years ago, I fell on ice and I tore my quad tendon off the bone on my left knee. And I had to get it surgically attached, right? I'm not, you're not going to come see me and let me work your lymphatic system for that. You're going to put that back in. Right. Then you're going to come to see me afterwards. But that, remember now my body has to adapt to what happened to me there. And it's mm-hmm. still stuck in that compensation phase. And it might not peek its head out until 10 years later. Then all of a sudden I'm like, you know something? My right shoulder is hurting me like a son of a bitch, like out of nowhere. <laughs> And then that's going to be tied probably to that knee tear I got on the lower left side. So you have to look at all of these other things. But here's the thing with what I'm telling you here. That's a lot of stuff to take in, man. Like that's a lot of things going on here and it can be overwhelming, but it's not really overwhelming when you step back and you look at it as a system Mm -hmm. and you step back and you look at what's the most important thing to your brain is survival and protection. And then the strategy that it takes to accomplish that goal. And then you also have to try to establish this, a different relationship that people have with their body who have been in pain for a long time, because you begin to resent your body. You you begin uh, to talk negatively about your body of like, why can't you get better? Why are you always hurting? So there's this adversarial relationship with your body. And then these incessant words that you say to yourself or how you talk to yourself Mm -hmm. feeds this, this machine, right? And then so there's a perception that has to change from there in relationship to the words that we use because words really, really matter, right? And I just want to cycle this back to one other thing. And you remember the words matter a lot. Absolutely. And how you choose to talk to yourself out loud and quiet, mm-hmm. um, but how you choose to talk to a patient or a client or how a doctor talks to you as a patient. So I'm going to go, you can choose a word, for instance, like um, I can say one word to you mm-hmm. and that word would mean something completely different to me as a patient. Right. And I, the thing that I've noticed from the, why I like to study Eastern medicine a lot from acupressure, acupuncture, mm-hmm. things like that, um, is that they've always had this harmonious relationship with the body. They're looking for restoration. They're looking for energy. Mm. They're looking for rebalance, harmony, right? So that's the language of how they speak. And then you look at Western medicine. It's attack, kill, defeat, right? All these things of how we talk about the body is all this blame, uh, kill cancer, attack this. Trust me, that stuff matters. It really matters, right? And so when you talk to a client, 
I've seen that I can, I've become very cognizant, much more aware of how I'm speaking to a client. And here's the thing, the words they're choosing to communicate with me. I've actually been at a point in time where I have not worked with a client because even though they're coming to see me for help, they're not yet at a point where they're ready to accept it. Mm-hmm. Or I, I can see that this is the person who's got a lot of e- uh, emotional type stuff going on. And I don't think that they're going to be able to get to where they need to be yeah. under my care. And then that's a point where I'll usually refer them to someone that I think can better serve them for, for where they are. Or if I do choose to bring them uh, onto my care, I start off with some very selective uh, assignments that I have them do. And then uh, I gauge how well they can do those or if they accomplish those uh, to determine kind of how I want to work with them in the future. Because I've also learned through the years that a lot of people don't know who they are without the the misery and the pain and it sounds kind of crazy when you're outside looking in but remember i I talked about uncertainty before the brain hates uncertainty because through all of our history uncertainty meant death like if you weren't certain of something you would die quick so if you were uncertain if it was a tiger in the woods or not well then you're probably dead so that's really really deep ingrained in there right and there's a certain certainty to pain. Like, you know, it's there, you know, you can depend on it. You know how your life is with it. Right. You identify with it. Yeah. You, you don't know who you are or what life would be without it. Mm-hmm. And unless you've been there to experience it. Cause it's a sinkhole. I mean, I developed the autoimmune disease about, four years ago and I got really, really sick and had to leave practice and leave teaching for a year. I had a nervous breakdown, multiple surgeries, and I was in a bad place. I actually actually had suicidal thoughts for me at one point. It got so bad because I just couldn't find a way out. Mm -hmm. And I always share this with people because this is why I'm doing what I do now because I, I used that rock bottom Mm-hmm. fight see that word i'm using fight i don't mm-hmm. want to use that right that that rock bottom journey back to where i am now everything that i went through with that helped shape how i am now and i have a new appreciation for what another human being feels like who is in that position right and it's almost like this it's what I call the elusive obvious. It's something that's been in front of you all along, but you just didn't see it. It's almost like every great 80s movie flick you've ever seen where you're looking for the the cheerleader girlfriend in school for a girlfriend, and meanwhile, the love of your life's been yep. your best friend you've known since you were five. Right. But you just didn't see it yet. I mean, <laughs> you know? I mean, you're saying something really powerful, and then I can completely agree, and I have a similar story where about six or seven months ago, I was going through this really dark 
again, to me, it was dark. Anybody from the outside in was looking in, it's like everything was going well. I had to do a lot of like social media and comparing myself to other people and how my business was going. But I mean, again, you hear about going, people going through depression and mental illness, but you don't really understand, right? You try to be empathetic and compassionate, but you don't really understand what that person is going through until you yourself kind of go through it. So I went through that. You know, I had to kind of leave social media for a little bit just because there was no other way for me to kind of figure it out. But yeah. what I learned was how important dealing with stress, right? This emotional aspect to um, dealing with pain, dealing with injuries, dealing with just your human body within itself, like this whole episode that we're talking about, like that. But I had to, I had to, similar to like your, um, I had to go through that to be able to understand how to even approach that. Again, my instance wasn't, um, I wouldn't say as, as, uh, as probably deep, but it was enough for me to be like, okay, I got I got to separate myself from this to kind of figure out where do I want to go? Cause if I keep going down this road, I'm going to, it's going to lead me into a really bad path. Um, but it allowed me to have that perspective. It allowed me to kind of step away for a little bit and get that outside perspective of, okay, I understand a little bit more of what's going on. And now I understand now the importance of that. So, I mean, I completely understand, uh, or I, I completely, should I say, I have a better understanding of that because of what I went through, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that I, I myself think that a lot of people go through, not many people talk about. So talking about it for me helped, um, but also talking about it helps other people that might not necessarily have that courage to even talk about it. Um, but it also, what also what I find that it creates, it, it starts a conversation, right? Where now practitioners are starting to, um, basically create that conversation with their patients. Like, Hey, how are you feeling? How's things going? You know, similar to, um, you know, the, one of the systems that you have talked about, bio, you know, biopsychosocial, the, the brain, right. The, the emotional side of it. So, um, man, this, this has been insane <laughs> this so i mean matrix kind of stuff right <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this is exactly what you know and i really appreciate you you know taking the time to come on board i mean we talked about chiropractic how you went from um you know your instance of having an injury having that friend that referred you to that chiropractic going to chiropractic but understanding that i mean you had that inner feeling that intuition that you're like okay this is good, but it's not where it's not my endpoint, right? I don't think necessarily we even have an endpoint, but you felt like mm-hmm. there was there was more, but you needed that stepping stone to get you to the next level. I mean, you went from chiropractic, like I mentioned, to the to the medicine, right? You started you started seeing how medicine was and how medicine should be, right? What a doctor was. I mean, you mentioned the definition of a doctor is in I mean, in its essence, is a teacher right? It's mm-hmm. being able to teach, um, I mean, for a doctor, the patient, how to live a better life, how to manage stress, how to, you know, uh, teaching them the one through nine list, you know, the, the brain, the emotional side, working way all the way down to the tissue, to the, um, to the actual cellular level of what's going on. Um, and then you mentioned that your transition from that also led you to awesome. Like I'm making this impact with this person with this hour, but then you had almost like an epiphany, right? You're starting to think like, okay, if I can do this with one person, what if I did this with several practitioners who then will treat their own patients? Then you amplify that impact that you have created. And I think, I mean, again, we're going down the list. You, and then you started, then you started creating where a lot of practitioners are now going through this route where it's 
treating the human first, right? Not treating the the physical ailment, but treating the human, right? And that's, again, going back to that one through nine list that you have mentioned, which is as a visual, right? As a conversation starter and as a review for patients, I think it's it's important. Like you don't necessarily hear that in school, first of all. You don't necessarily hear that as a common language, which it should be, right? You should be, as a as one, as a practitioner, you should be thinking more the bigger picture, which is the next uh, kind of like, segment that we talked about, right? You talked about, obviously, your, your company is stop chasing pain. But the idea with that is, is to see the bigger picture, right? Not just to focus. I mean, you mentioned how earlier on in your career, uh, one of your uh, aha moments was like, okay, the problems at the knee, or should I say the, the, the pains at the knee, but the problems at the hip, which for a lot of people, like you mentioned, um, is a big step, right? You, you're going towards more of that global um, view, but then as you, as experience shows, as time shows, as mistakes, like you mentioned, which is a big teacher, started teaching you that, hey, it's actually bigger than that. Step away a little bit more and see even bigger. Try to even see the person even bigger. Step away a little bit more and have like this 10 feet, 10 feet view of this person and really see what's going on and have that conversation, which you mentioned was observe. Or first of all, listen to what that person's telling you. Observe intently without biases, which is also another thing that I try to talk to about uh, a lot to my patients and even through social media. Listening is one of the listening, observing, and teaching are one of the things are one of the three things. I guess not one of, but multiple things that we can do right away that make a big difference. Um, which I think it's a, a lot of times we miss the boat on that. Um, and like I mentioned. That one through nine list that you talked about is is awesome. Having that conversation with your patients, having that conversation with yourself as a practitioner on the systems, like you mentioned, it's having systems in place that guide you to be able to treat these multiple systems that this human, this complex human body is made of. Um, yeah, I mean, I tried my best. <laughs> I tried my best to review everything that we talked about, but in reality, uh, if you know, to all the listeners listening right now. Uh, in your car, on a run, walking your dog, doing your homework, I mean, in the kitchen and washing your plates right now, um, I highly recommend you actually going back to the beginning of this uh, podcast episode and listening again. Because, I mean, even for me, sometimes um, listening to it multiple times, you'll learn 10 10 new things every time. Um, Dr. Perry went through a whole lot. I mean, and you can tell from the way he speaks, his passion, his his intent through the way uh, not only he treats his patients, but through the way he's educating other practitioners to treat their patients the same way, um, which, I mean, uh, I'm humbly enough to be able to have him here on this podcast to be able to share his message. But, um, and again, Dr. Perry, I really appreciate you giving, um, you know, giving the time to be even be on here. I know your, your time and our time is very valuable. Um, so I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, anytime, man. Thank you very much. That was a great recap. You know, sometimes I just get asked a question and my mouth opens and I don't stop until 15 minutes later. And, uh, you know, that just comes across, I think, with hopefully how much I do enjoy what I'm talking about. And, and hopefully maybe one or two things <laughs> stuck with people or, or if I can get people to maybe think a little bit of a different way, but also it, it would be really wonderful if I can incite a little bit of hope into people that may have lost some Absolutely. up into this standpoint. Uh, that's really what it's all about for me. And I really had a great time and 
thank you very much for inviting me on the show. Of course, anytime. I mean, and always at the end, uh, after the recap that I try to do my best at, <laughs> um, I always want to not only thank the person on the other side of this mic, um, Dr. Perry, but I also want to thank the listeners because in reality, we can have all the passion and all the fire, but if we don't have uh, someone willing to listen, that student willing to learn, um, that patient willing to take that step, like we mentioned, um, in reality, then we really can't really do what we love, which is being able to treat, be able to teach, and be able to share um, what it is we've learned, what it is in our, our experience. Um, so I want to thank you, the listener, um, for allowing us to, you know, giving us your time. Because again, like I mentioned, time is is time is the true currency. Time and relationships are the true currency. And for you guys to give us the time to listen to us um, and to, you know, just create this conversation. Uh, and like Dr. Perry said, just to kind of create a new way of thinking. Um, we really appreciate your time. And the second thing is to all the patients that we get the time to work with um, that give us the, um, that cherish our value um, and, our, and what we're trying to, um, I guess, instill, what we're trying to teach, what we're trying to share. Um, thank you for giving us the time um, that hour, that was those 30 minutes, that 10 minutes that we were able to, you know, whatever it is, uh, speak on the phone or whatever. Thank you um, for that. Um, and with that being said, like I mentioned, Dr. Perry, thank you for being on the show. This is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. It would mean the world to me if you took the time right now to leave a review for this podcast. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with you and would love the opportunity to do the same with passionate people just like you. So please take the time to leave a five-star review and help bring value to more people. See you on the next episode. Hold up.